0: This Church Life Today podcast is a production of Redeemer Radio and the McGrath Institute for Church Life at the University of Notre Dame and is brought to you in part by Notre Dame FCU and our listeners. Welcome to Church Life Today, a production of the McGrath Institute for Church Life at the University of Notre Dame. I'm your host, Leonard DiLorenzo. What effect does the absence of fathers have on our society? What do you do to listen for God's will? What's the greatest threat to a family home? How can you recognize and draw out the talents of young people? These are just some of the questions I ask of our guest today, Joe Campo, in a discussion that touches on the intimate and the grand, the spiritual and the practical alike. Joe is the head of the St. Francis Home in Brooklyn, where young men in need of support and direction live together as a family, with Joe as a father who shares with them a life of faith. Joe is also the founder of Grassroots Films, which he started with some of the young men from his household. Grassroots has produced such films as The Human Experience, Outcasts, Fishers of Men, and Child 31. Joe Campo, welcome to the show. Thank you. All right. So, Joe, you're a New Yorker, so you're okay with direct and blunt questions. And I, I've always wanted to just start off with a direct and blunt question, so you're going to get it. All right? So here it is. Here's my direct it. and blunt question. Who do you think you are?
1: <laughs> Actually, I'm asking myself the same question. All right. You know, who do I think I am? Well, I hope that I am a man of integrity. Hmm. And, and um, I hope that I'm doing God's will in everything that I'm doing, everything that I'm doing. And I feel, you know, as, as long as I'm doing that, then, uh, then I'll, I'll know who I am, hmm. you know? I don't know how other people view me. I don't know what other people think. I do know this, I do know that I need to do God's will. And as long as I'm doing that, that's who I am.
0: How do you listen for God's will?
1: Well, um, you know, there's a lot of different ways of discerning God's will. One is through other people. I'm very surprised a lot of times what other people say to me. They actually answer my questions. And then, of course, prayer life. I have a prayer life. Uh, one of the things I like to do is I, I, is I pray morning prayer in the morning, and I read the gospel, and I apply the gospel, whatever gospel reading it is that day, is I, I try to apply it to that day as best as I can.
0: Who taught you or who formed you in this kind of spirituality?
1: I'm a third order Franciscan, uh-huh. and so uh, I kind of hang out with the CFRs, uh-huh. and I've had just great spiritual directors. And I worked along Father Benedict Rochelle over 25 years.
0: Franciscan Friar, the renewal. Yes. Yeah.
1: And so uh, just through him and all the other friars, just by watching and learning and seeing the joy that they have, is something that is contagious. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Now, you live in Brooklyn, but I want you to, if you don't mind, tell us a little bit about like really where you live, about your house. Tell us about your house, the St. Francis House. Well, I live in the
1: St. Francis House, Uh which was started by Father Benedict Rochelle back in 1967. And so I am the director of the home, and we have uh, seven bedrooms for seven guys, and we help people who need a second chance in life. That's how the house is kind of described. And so some of the young men come there for economic problems. Some come from drug and alcohol problems. Uh, Some just need some help. But they get an opportunity to use our facility,
0: live there, and learn
1: hmm.
0: about life. How would you get tangled up in this? Well, it wasn't my plan, I can tell you that much. <laughs> it was God's will that you were, was, you were unfortunately listening for. I You're, was listening. Yeah, right. Actually, at that time, I was asking. Oh, okay. I was
1: asking. As a matter of fact, I was praying in front of the Blessed Sacrament, and I remember saying, Lord, I'm not leaving till you tell me what you want me to do. When was this, a couple of years ago? Uh, That's 30 years ago. 30 years ago. And um, actually, uh, he answered me in about a year.
0: Hmm.
1: But I wasn't leaving because I knew God was calling me to something, and I just didn't know what. And I was a bit frustrated. I was kind of like, come on, you know, what is it? What is it that you want me to do? And um, when I met the, the Friars, Father Benedict Rochelle had said to me, um, I've got this house in Brooklyn. It's called the St. Francis House. I need somebody to run it, take a look at it. And I said to myself, I'm not moving to Brooklyn.
0: <laughs> <laughs> where do you live at the time? I grew time? up in Long Island. Yeah, you don't go to Brooklyn. Per- that's no, no. Yeah, right? yeah, I'm going yeah. in the wrong direction. Yeah. Actually, my
1: parents and my family came from Brooklyn uh-huh. to live in Long Island to give a better life for us. Yeah. You know? So we lived in the suburbs. I grew up in the woods. Yeah. The yeah. only time we ever went to Brooklyn is we visited an aunt or an uncle who never made it out to the island. <laughs> and I wasn't too happy about going in there. You know? right. We didn't exactly. want to leave the apartment. They had apartments. We had houses. So it was a different kind of living completely. But you know, he showed me the house. He explained to me um, what has been going on in the house. And he also displayed... In his conversation, his love uh, for the young men, he treated the young men as if they were his own sons. Mm-hmm. And that was very, very appealing to me. It was the first time I was ever affected that way, quite frankly. Mm-hmm. And I, and I kind of knew at that point, wow, this is a wow factor. And, uh, and I said yes. I said yes to Father
0: Benedict, I would I would take over the house. And this became your family? Pretty much. How, did, how, did, how does a house filled of young, with young men that— you haven't known, Mm -hmm. and that some of them are coming, some of them are going for different periods of time. How does that become a family?
1: Well, you've got to get over a few hurdles, quite frankly. One of them is trust. You have to have that trust. Uh, Without that, nothing is going to happen. And you also have to establish Who's really in charge? And and so well, and the I, answer to that is? Well, God. <laughs> I'm taking orders from him. You're and, the proxy, though. Well, this is what I used to tell the guys. Anytime there was a problem, I'd say, hey, you know who's in charge of this house, right? Uh-huh. I'd say, yes, Joe, you're in charge of this house. Wrong answer. God's in charge of this house. I'm taking orders from him. And you've got nothing to say. <laughs> and if you can live with that, you can stay. Hmm. And at the end of the day, and the reason I would say that is because at the end of the day, I do have to answer to God for my actions with them. And a lot of times, you know, you get a couple of rough guys and you have to kind of yell at them. you got to raise your voice, you know. But honestly, even when that was happening, I found no enjoyment in it. And I would honestly think of my own sins. Hmm. I'm looking at a young man and I'm saying, rah, 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 I'm saying to myself, well, you ain't any better. Yeah. <laughs> you know, what about this? What about that? And I'm like, this is crazy, you know. But uh, it's a teaching moment for all of us, quite frankly. I didn't share that information with them, Yeah, you know. But, uh, you know, you're interacting and and you're becoming family, slowly but surely, you know. Not everybody. I mean, there's really – you get some situations where no matter what happens in life, there's a disconnect, Mm -hmm. you know. Uh, I've seen it with infants where uh, an infant doesn't connect with its own mother. It's very heartbreaking. And so if you see it with young adults, um,
0: it's real. Yeah. It's real. So you've got these young men coming, teenagers for the most part when they come in. Um, Fatherless. Is that what they have in common? I was going to ask. Like, mm-hmm. uh, they're coming from different circumstances, different types of problems. Look, They need something, and they're coming to this home. But I was going to ask what they have in common. Yeah. That the one thing they
1: have in common is they're all fatherless. They have no father. And some of them who even know their father should stay away from him. Hmm. So it's a pretty lousy thing to have in common.
0: What's the effect on young people, this fatherlessness?
1: They're very unsure of themselves. They have no courage. They have no masculine figure who's honest with them. They have no one to tell them no in a good way. They have no one to tell them yes in a good way. You know, many, many times I would all, you know, think of the passage is that, you know, fathers do not discourage your sons.
0: And here I take am. Take away their courage, to discourage yeah. them, right? Don't take yeah. away the courage from yeah. your son. And
1: I find in life today, even young men who have fathers,
0: they lack courage.
1: Hmm.
0: It's a shame. So is this part, do you see this as part of your calling? Is to, I do. To give them you can't give them courage, but you can help to draw it out.
1: Absolutely. There's no, there's no question about it because, you know, listen, no one wants to make mistakes, mm-hmm. but everybody does. And I teach them that they're human. I teach them, listen, when you take a test and you get things wrong, now you know what you don't know. No one's ever said that to them before because everyone, everybody wants to get 100 on the test. Well, that's great, you know, but not everybody does. And so this is a great opportunity
0: that when you don't know, is to become better. You're listening to Church Life Today on Redeemer Radio. We're talking with Joe Campo, founder of Grassroots Films and head of the St. Francis Home in Brooklyn, New York. Well, it sounds to me like the St. Francis House is a place, a home, first of all, but also a place that tries to bring young people along into maturity, into Christian maturity. What, What have you come to understand are the marks of Christian maturity? What does a mature young person start to look like? takes many years,
1: hmm. you know. Uh,
0: and and just in this one
1: conversation, we're gonna make it sound a lot easier than it is. But the reality is it's many, many years of trial and error. And here we are, you know, we have a young man who we're trying to teach him, you know, to be a good Christian man and to believe in God. And God as described as a masculine figure and they have none in their life.
0: You, you're supposed to call God father. God asks you to call him father. Right. But there is no father figure. They have, they have figure. no father, yeah. yeah. So they, the word, the idea itself is impossible. Who do they
1: compare him to? Uh. It's extremely difficult, so that takes a very long period of time. Uh, but we have the time, hmm. and we make the time, and and we do it. And the plan is to do it, and is to never give up.
0: What's the regular rhythm of your household like?
1: I don't know what that question. Well, is, what right? is
0: what is what's kind of the daily living in your house? Okay, well, like, it's important you, to know you that do?
1: yeah, everybody works, mm-hmm. goes to school, or both. Okay, all right. So it's not a shelter. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's not the kind of place where you can come and watch television in the daytime. I had a young man ask me, "Can we turn the TV on?" It's twelve o'clock in the afternoon. I said, "What's on?" He goes, <laughs> <laughs> "Oh, well, is this?" Then and he, and he explains. Well, I never heard of that before. Yeah. He goes, "Oh, but you know," like, I said, "We don't turn the TV on in the middle of the day." Uh-huh. You know, I said, "Listen, if you have time to turn the TV on in the middle of the day, yeah. something's wrong." <laughs> you know, no, you need to be doing something. And this young man, of course, didn't have a job at the time, and so he was looking to fill up his space. Okay, and to me, that was the worst thing you can
0: do. It's an excuse not to look at that point or what, to. What, what, D- yeah. The
1: worst thing you do is turn on the television because yeah. he's never going to have any time because the TV is going to take over. Mm. I mean, it draws you in. You guys eat together? Every night. Every night. Dinner every night together, conversations at the table. Dinner is no less than two hours. Is that right? Yeah, it's great. All right. It's great. How no many people phones? are around the table? Seven.
0: Could be more if they have their girlfriends come. Could be ten people. Yeah. But everybody's – and they know we're having dinner together yeah. tonight. We're having dinner together. And tonight. we're having dinner together tomorrow night.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's part of the, that's part right. of the, the, the life.
0: Well, I've heard you talk uh, before about St. Francis House, and I know that you've put emphasis on um, trying to identify and draw out the gifts of these young people. So part of what you were talking about, the discouragement that occurs, it's – I suppose that's related to not recognizing the worth, the value in yourself, what you have to offer. So how has your time living with these young men in this house – how has it been about seeing their goodness, seeing their giftedness and, and bringing it out? How have you done that? I have to – I think I have a grace.
1: Okay. And, and I think the grace is that I see it already in them. Hmm. I see the goodness in them. As a matter of fact, it's a problem sometimes because even when they're bad, I might not see it as bad as it really is. You know, So I've been told. Uh, but I, I see the goodness in them. And, and there's a part of you know, my heart that goes out to their heart. It's just not fair. You know, And I remember one time when I was, at a, I was at a drug rehab, I used to have like 12 guys in, in this And I went there. And, and, and a woman had said to me, she says, well, I know why you're here, because it makes you feel good. I said, feel good? I don't feel good. I haven't even had dinner yet. <laughs> I don't feel good about any of this no. stuff, you know? I don't do this because it makes me feel good. I do it because it makes them feel
0: good. Hmm.
1: And I knew why she was there. <laughs> yeah. What kind of gifts do you see in these guys? Well, you know, I mentioned earlier that I believe God gives everybody at least one gift.
0: Hmm.
1: You can change the whole world with that one gift. Everybody is unique uh, there's no two human beings who are the same. Uh, you know I, I, I tell the guys I go, listen, you know no one has everybody knows this already. no one has the same fingerprints. Oh yeah, we know that. did you know that no one has the same ears? Did you know that no one has the same feet? Did you know that no one has the same walk that's how unique you are so everyone has unique gifts and Depending on their situation and, you know, like I had one guy just said, we, we were doing pumpkins one time, right? <laughs> we we're doing pumpkins. And so I said to everybody, cut out the pumpkin you want to cut out. One guy sitting there, I couldn't believe it. He could carve anything you asked him
0: to Into carve. a pumpkin. Yeah. yeah.
1: I said, how long have you been doing this? He goes, oh, I never did it before.
0: Hmm.
1: He was an artist. He didn't know it. He didn't even know it himself. (laughs) I said, Do you draw? He goes, No, it's boring. You know, do you paint? No, I never did. He was carving. Yeah. Well, anyway, we got him into sculpture. Excellent sculpture. Now, something, you know, like he's probably not gonna have a vocation in sculpting. But you know what? When he's finished at this, at the end of the day, a man wants to have to know that he did something good. He wants to feel important. He wants that sense of, of masculinity. And even in, in, even in that pumpkin, he got it because everybody was praising the guy. Did a great job. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Well, let's talk a little bit about your film company, Grassroots Films, because as I understand it, the, the formation of this whole idea, the genesis of it, came from actually recognizing the gifts in some of these guys yeah. that you have living in the house. Can you tell us a little bit about that story? Yeah. How did well, Grassroots Films? Well,
1: there's one guy that came into the house who was extremely talented. And um, <clears throat> I looked at his work, and, and I always say this. I go, you know, your work's not good. It's great there's a difference and I asked him, I said, do you want to make films that's what you want to do with your life he said yes I said well me too and I made a few you know films I was a photographer for more than three quarters of my life I've always been in the arts and I'm a musician so I'm already I'm already plugged in mm-hmm. and I said wow this could be an opportunity you know so I said to the guys I said listen why don't we make a film about the St. Francis house and I looked at each individual that was going to be working with us and gave them all a job which I thought they could do And they were all very, very successful at it. I made one guy a director, one guy a producer, one guy a gaffer, one guy wrote the story. It was great. We just put everybody together. We had fun. We really enjoyed it. And did a great film called The St. Francis House and raised a tremendous amount of money.
0: Did you do it to raise money? Why'd you do it in the first place? Well,
1: I mean, I figured I had that in my back back of my mind. This possibly would work. This could possibly work. You know, who knows? And it did. We raised a tremendous amount of money. And from that money... Uh, I was going to give it to Father Benedict because it was his house, Uh you know. And he gave the money back to me to do whatever I wanted with it. And I told him I wanted to open up a film company with it. And he said, well, who's going to watch your films? I said, well, they're going to be first-class films. People are going to want to watch our films. (laughs) He goes, okay, (laughs) you know. And we started Grassroots Films. And since then, we've done quite a few films that people might, even some of your listeners might know. Child 31, people might know The Human Experience. Um, Outcast is a new one that we're going to be releasing we actually even showed it here yeah at Notre Dame a couple years ago yeah Yeah. and um, the vocational film Fishers of Men Mm -hmm. that's that's been around the block quite Mm -hmm. a few times
0: so you're a Catholic guy yep Um, do you did you start a Catholic film company no I'm glad you asked that question
1: (laughs) unless you can tell me one good Catholic film company that you know (laughs) so nothing against Catholic film companies but um, if you I'm an evangelizer Mm-hmm. And so all my work takes place simply because there's a pur- there's a purpose for it. And evangelization is one of them. And if we're a Catholic film company, the people I want to evangelize
0: will not watch my films. Because you, you don't want to speak just to Catholic. You're Catholics very interested in. Having love Catholic. our films. Yeah, there's you're very no interested, interested in having them. They should love our films. But if you call it a Catholic film company, a Catholic film, the That's, people you want to reach out to aren't going to come. Never happen.
1: And I can give you an example. The Human Experience is a uh, a pro-life film that never mentions the word pro-life, never mentions the word Catholic, never mentions anything about pro-life, but it's a pro-life film.
0: You're listening to Church Life Today on Redeemer Radio. We're talking with Joe Campo, founder of Grassroots Films and head of the St. Francis House in Brooklyn, New York. So let's talk a little bit about the the human experience of these films. Um, The question that the film tries to address, which it puts right out in front, is – Have we forgotten what it means to be human? This is the human experience. Have we forgotten what it means to be human? What do we see in the film in response to that question?
1: You you see a lot of bad things actually in the film. The underlying premise of the whole film is hope. Hmm. But you don't see that right off the bat. You actually have to see the struggle that mankind is going through. And we show quite quite a few clips of the struggling that people are going through. But at the end of the day,
0: God wins. God always wins. Where does the film take you?
1: Uh, it takes you to five different countries, <laughs> physically. Uh-huh. But uh, it takes you through a roller coaster of emotions, of what it means to be human. And it takes you through the struggling of the young men who live at the St. Francis House. It's about the young men at the St. Francis They're House. They're the ones too. who go, right? They're the, they the ones They are the ones go. They, they go, go to go. five different countries. It's Yes. It's searching for the meaning of life.
0: Hmm.
1: And we're all searching for meaning. And these young men have a great opportunity to realize, as poor as they are, when you, when you go to a leper colony in in Ghana, you're not so poor anymore. When you have shoes on your feet and you eat every day, when you have feet to put shoes on, yeah. in the leper colony, yeah, yeah. And, and you watch a six-year-old little girl walk two and a half miles for a gallon of water, you're not so poor. Hmm. And so we lived through their lives, through the struggle of other people, in order to, for us to identify how good we really have it. Hmm. And you know what's amazing. All of the people that we met in these five different countries, not one of them, not one of them was depressed.
0: Really? Really. So you're in a leper colony and— No Ghana. depression. You're in an orphanage, right? No you're depression. You're on the streets of New York with the homeless. No depression. Well, maybe one. Okay. <laughs> in New York, there was, okay. I have to say. Uh, but
1: there was also mental illness as well. You know? But these people had God. They were preaching to us. Hmm. We asked one woman in a leper colony, what would you say to someone who didn't believe in God? She didn't understand the question. (laughs) So I asked again. She still didn't understand the question.
0: (laughs) So maybe the difference here, you didn't set out to start a Catholic film company because maybe it seems awfully preachy then. It is. But in this film, so just in the human experience is one of the examples. Maybe there is preaching, but you're not the ones preaching. Exactly. And the same thing with Outcast that's going to be released. Uh Uh, You know, everybody
1: thinks it's about the Franciscan Friars renewal. No. The Franciscan Friars renewal get us to where I need to go. Where do they go? Into the poorest of the poor in five different, again, five different countries. Okay. You know, But the preaching in the film is done by the poor. It's done by the crackheads. It's done by the prostitutes. It's done by the homeless. Now, you will see the friars praying, but you won't hear them. And it's almost in slow motion, and the music changes. And you'll see them in front of the Blessed Sacrament, but you won't hear what they're saying. But the actual prayers come from the people themselves.
0: The, pe- the poor themselves are the ones praying. Yeah. N- not um, from what you would expect. It's not, it's not the, the – so it seems, as you were saying, like this is a, a sort of spotlight on the work of the Franciscan friars. But they're really just the carriers of the vision into these places. And these are places that we otherwise don't typically look, right? You would never go to these places. You would never see these things that we're going to sh- – that we show you on the screen. This is a, this is, there's darkness here.
1: A lot of it. As a matter of fact, I have to share something with you. Yeah. This film originally was 90 Minutes.
0: This is outcasts right Outcasts.
1: outcasts. Mm-hmm. Um, I had to really make it a 60-minute film. I had, to, I had to take 30 minutes off. It was just too dark. Mm. It wasn't balanced. Who were the outcasts? In society, who were mm-hmm. the outcasts? Well, it was, it was the prostitutes mm-hmm. that we met. It was the people who were uh, suffering from drug addiction and crack dens. It was the homeless on the streets. It was people in prison.
0: There's a town in Northern Ireland that you show that's just riddled yeah. with violence. Right. It's the undoing of a community by violence and fear. Yeah. They can't live there. You just can't live there? You just can't live there, no. But the friars went there. The friars live there.
1: (laughs) Normal people can't live there. You can't live there.
0: Yeah. No one thought the friars would last a week. What's their charism? How do they select these places to go to? Well, uh, they
1: originally uh, were invited by the bishop to go there. And um, just before they were going to move in, there was a... uh, uh, a, a fire bomb got thrown into a car where there were two children. And they didn't die, but they were pretty main, pretty bad. And the bishop called up the friars and said, listen, this just happened. This is even bad for my Ross, that's the town. So if you don't want to come, we understand. And the friar said, that's exactly why we're coming.
0: And they went. What do they do in these communities that they go to?
1: They, they build the families back up. Basically is what they do. They're building up the families. They're bringing Christ to the poorest of the poor.
0: And you've gone along with them mm-hmm. to do this time and again. I mean, it, it, even in the beginning, you were talking about some of your own formation being from Father Benedict, from the Franciscan friars. Yes. How has their charism changed you? How has it Im- imprinted itself on you? Wow, that's
1: a big question because I, I don't know, you know, what I would have done without them. Quite frankly, I, I don't think I you can't done.
0: even see yourself without them at this point. No.
1: Yeah. No, I became a third order, third order Franciscan. Listen, I, I'm one of those guys who really didn't fit anywhere in life anyway. Hmm. I just didn't fit anywhere. You know, you wouldn't know that about me. But no matter, you know, I wasn't the type of guy. Even if I, my friends went to bars, I went to bars, and I are like, what am I doing here, you know? None of, none of this, the world, really, I was not impressed with the world around me, quite frankly. Yeah. And when I met them, it was the first time in my life I actually felt comfortable in my own skin. Mm. And so I was a Franciscan, and I didn't even know it.
0: <laughs> but, you were a Franciscan, and you didn't even know it. So this was a kind of homecoming. It was, In a way. absolutely. It's a really beautiful way to think about hmm. a location. You actually you discover where, where you are, where you're hmm. supposed to be.
1: Where I'm supposed to be, yeah. Hmm.
0: Beautiful. Now, as we think about these films and outcasts, uh, the friars going into these places where drugs and violence and the misuse of sex, all of this stuff is breaking apart communities. You've created and you're in charge of a home where you try to create a space that's very different from that. But I imagine many people could think about the threats to your own home of what might come in there. Could be drugs, could be alcohol, could be violence. But I've heard you say that that's not even the hardest thing to keep out. What's, no. the har- what is the, what is, what's really the hardest thing to keep out and what's undoing, what could undo a household? Okay. It used to be drugs and alcohol. Hmm. This was, a, 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 you know, for many, many years. This is what
1: people were. Now it's pornography. pornography. Pornography could undo your household. Absolutely. Absolutely. I just had a priest tell me that 95% of the people that come in for confession has to do with that subject. 95% of the people that come in for a confession
0: talk and about pornography. Absolutely. Mm.
1: That's what he told me. You know? And so these young people are dealing with this on a daily basis.
0: Why do you think it's harder to keep
1: out than
0: drugs and alcohol? Well, I mean, you know, because of the computer,
1: it's just so readily available to anyone, you know? And the devil uses these things because it's natural for us to, you know, pursue mm-hmm. the opposite sex. I mean, mm-hmm. just so that's the way God created us. What we're supposed to be doing, then distorts the whole thing. Mm. You know, and so it's 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 almost impossible to keep out because of the cell phones. It's impossible to keep out, almost impossible to keep out, because of the uh, of the computers. Years ago, you know, it wasn't impossible to keep out because you know they had VCRs.
0: Oh yeah, so you, you know, could just. Take away the VCR. You're not bringing that in the house. That's right.
1: We don't even have a VCR in the house. How's that? We don't need it. Yeah. But with this, it's really sinister. The entry points have grown and they've
0: become smaller. It's sinister. Mm. It's a sinister plot. And what have you seen that do to your your men, your boys? Well, I
1: mean, you know, I let them know that it's not the end of the world and there's recovery from all of this. And there's hope. And if they continue this behavior, I don't know what's going to happen. So usually I have the answers. Yeah. And so they're waiting for the answer. Well, yeah. I don't know what's going to happen to you if you continue this behavior. And this is dangerous because it's uncontrollable.
0: Hmm.
1: And it's dealing with your intellect and it's dealing with your emotions. And worse than anything,
0: it's distorting reality.
1: And so how are you going to come out of this normal? You're not. Yeah. You
0: tell, you're not. Yeah. This is something, you know, many parents who might be listening, myself included, yeah, like yeah. we wouldn't necessarily identify with the kind of household that you run. It's, it's different than our homes, probably. But this is something, and there are other things too, but this is something that we share in common, this desire to protect and this danger to our young people. What do you think we can do together?
1: You know, it's, it's, it's a tough question. I mean, all we can do is the best we can do to protect them from this is what we know right now. Hmm. You know? I don't see it going away. I see the problem is going to get worse and worse as time goes on. I mean, you know, we've got nine-year-olds and seven-year-olds who are looking at this material. Because they have access? They have access to it. You know, their cell phones. Mm-hmm. You know. Does a 10-year-old need a cell phone? No. No. And if, you know, 15-year-olds and 16-year-olds are looking at it and they're babysitting or something like that, then it's, a, you know, just this typical trickle-down effect. We have a big problem on our hands, you know. But it's up to us to do whatever we can do to undo it in some way, and it's to
0: teach our children. Yeah. Yeah, we have to teach them. And maybe that brings us back here at the end to thinking about that charism of the Franciscan friars. They go towards the problem where other people yeah. run away from the darkness. They go towards it, right? So I wonder if that's part of the last word of hope here is, yeah, yeah here's, here's part of the darkness, but let's not shy away from it. Let's go right towards it. We have to. Yeah. We have to. Yeah. Well, Joe, for anybody who might want to learn a little bit more about the St. Francis House or Grassroots Films, where can they, where can they find you out can find us?
1: You can find us on the internet. I mean, <laughs> you know, Facebook is a big thing, right? Yeah. So you can always find me on Facebook and ask me. It's just Joe Camp on Facebook in Brooklyn. But um, Grassroots Films is, uh-huh. is Grassroots Films. But you have to put Brooklyn in there. And the same thing with the St. Francis Home. If you grassroots Saint, Films,
0: Brooklyn. Right.
1: And um, St. Francis. Francis Home, Brooklyn. Brooklyn. Well, you can put Greenpoint, Brooklyn, and then you'll see it come up. Sounds good. Well, Joe
0: Campbell, thanks so much for spending time with us today. Yeah, thank you. And thanks to all of you for joining us on Church Life Today. This Church Life Today podcast is a production of Redeemer Radio and the McGrath Institute for Church Life at the University of Notre Dame and is brought to you in part by Notre Dame FCU and our listeners.